Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Jack Corey, a hematologist at Cleveland Clinic specializing in rare plasma cell disorders within the Rare Cancer and Blood Diseases program. He's here today to talk to us about POEMS. So, welcome, Jack. Hi, Dale. So, tell us a little bit to start out uh, about your role here at Cleveland Clinic. What do you do? So, I'm associate staff here in the Department of Hematology and Medical Oncology. I mostly see patients with plasma cell disorders, so namely multiple myeloma, AL amyloidosis, and rare plasma cell disorders, such as POEMS. All right. So, um, we have a pretty broad audience here, and so we're going to talk about POEMS. So, let's start really simple. What is POEMS? So, Dale POEMS is a rare plasma cell disorder that's characterized by demyelinating polyneuropathy and clonal plasma cell proliferation. So, the acronym stands for polyneuropathy, organomegaly, endocrinopathy, monoclonal gammopathy, and skin changes. So, Dale, as you know, the plasma cell is the most differentiated cell of the B cell lineage of the immune system. And we think that in POEMS, this cell is really the cell that's responsible for a surge of inflammatory cytokines, like, you know, VEGF, vascular endothelial growth factor, interleukins, and um, FGF. And at the same time, the same cell suppresses other anti-inflammatory cytokines, like transforming growth factor beta-1 or TGF beta-1 where this imbalance of cytokines that's, you know, elicited by this plasma cell is actually what's responsible for the multitude of, you know, clinical manifestation of the disorder. And so just to give us some perspective, um, how common is it? How many cases are there? And do we know what sort of triggers it? What, what, what's the cause? So POMS is very rare. So honestly, we don't really see more than three patients per year here at the Cleveland Clinic. And we're a major referral center. And now, th- there isn't a lot of studies on the epidemiology of the disease, but we think that it, you know, the prevalence kind of ranges in the order of 0.3 per 100,000 people in mostly Japanese studies and U.S. You know, studies. So, it's, it's very rare. And so, we're not really sure what triggers it? We still don't really know. We think that you know, it's a combination of chronic antigenic stimulation of the plasma cells, changes in the marrow microenvironment, and some you know, changes in actually the, the way plasma cells make their antibodies, especially the lambda light chain antibody, you know, a lot of those things together trigger this plasma cell to, you know, to initiate this um, inflammatory imbalance in cytokines. You, you sort of described what this is based on sort of the things like polyneuropathy and, and large organs and things, but what, what kind of signs and symptoms would people typically have if they're coming to see us? Peripheral neuropathy is the main symptom of POEMS, Dale. And this is how people come to, you know, medical attention. They have neuropathy going on for, for a long time. It's usually longstanding. They see neurologists and um, neurologists, you know, in combination with um, hematology. So neurology and hematology end up diagnosing these patients. So people usually have longstanding demyelinating polyneuropathy. The way this neuropathy starts is with sensory symptoms in the feet that works its way up and becomes more motor over time with consequent weakness and muscle atrophy. There are other manifestations of the disorder and it can involve the skin with multiple, you know, rashes being reported in the literature. 
There was hardening of the bones with what we call sclerotic bone lesions that we can see on imaging. There was enlargement of the liver, the spleen, the lymph nodes. Some people can have what we call Castleman's disease, which is a, a special type of uh, lymphoma, lymphoproliferative disorder. So there's a wide array of symptoms, but usually people come to our attention when they have this long-standing polyneuropathy that goes, you know, undiagnosed. So the the lack of diagnosis seems like that must be a really tough component of this disease. So I would guess that patients have had a pretty long journey of seeing lots of different people, and you really, quite honestly, may have to stumble across the right person that thinks of it and makes the diagnosis. You know, you somebody may see a dermatologist but not really make the connection or a neurologist and, you know, neuropathy being standard. So, how's the actual diagnosis? So, how is is it from um, bone marrow? How, what, what's the process here? Right. So, usually patients get referred to us by neurology. So, neurologists are the, the you know, the frontline kind of specialty that sees these patients. They usually get EMG studies on them. So, uh, electrodiagnostic studies on their nerves, and uh, they check more lab work, including uh, they screen them for plasma cell disorders with serologic testing, and they get um, the EGF levels, vascular endothelial growth factor levels. And, you know, if they feel that there's a question of POMS, or they feel that the diagnosis is really POMS, they send them our way, and then we confirm the diagnosis here and start treatment. And what is that treatment? So the treatment is very similar to what we do in myeloma. So it's either radiation therapy, um, autologous stem cell transplantation, um, and or a combination of other plasma cell-directed therapies. And the treatment really depends on if the patient really is eligible for stem cell transplant. A lot of patients come to us really debilitated from their neuropathy. They're not really eligible for high-dose therapy and transplant. And so we either do radiation depending on how many lesions they have in their bones or depending on how many clonal plasma cells they have in their marrow, or we do other therapies that, that we borrow from the plasma cell, you know, the myeloma armamentarium. So when we think about POEMS, how does that differ from CIDP? Again, CIDP is chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. And POEMS also has this component of demyelinating neurop- polyneuropathy. And so if you do AMGs on people, electrodiagnostic studies on people, um, you see that 70% of the POEMS patients fulfill you know, criteria for CIDP. So it's really hard to differentiate both entities. However, I think there's a couple or a few clinical and MG features that can help differentiate um, both of them. So for example, there is more axonal loss on EMG in POMS patients than CIDP, and there tends to be more lower limb involvement and more leg pain, which can be really severe in POMS than CIDP. And there's really more distal muscle weakness in CIDP. Also, muscle atrophy in the lower limbs tends to be more pronounced in POMS. Another thing is there's more neuropathic pain in POMS, more than CIDP, and there's way less cranial nerve involvement um, in POMS. So it's really a combination of EMG features and clinical features, mostly pain and lower limb involvement that tends to be more common in POMS patients. So you mentioned that we don't see very many patients in a given year. We have this program set up for rare cancers, blood disorders. How are we able to most appropriately take care of patients? We do have care paths here um, for, for POMS. I've, um, you know, I've put together a care path for the, for the community 
for the regional um, sites and for us here at main campus. I've seen a lot of referrals coming from the community for stem cell transplant. So I think there is more awareness in the community about this disorder, probably because of the care path and because people just know about it more than before. So I'm seeing more patients, you know, with, with poems in general. And I guess it's that awareness part that I guess I was going to ask about. So, you know, it seems like, you know, certainly from a, a patient frustration going to numerous doctors trying to get a, a diagnosis, being told they don't really know what that diagnosis is until they, they reach the right, the right diagnosis. But then when you mention on top of that, not only the long wait to get a diagnosis, but then maybe not being able to get a transplant because their disease has progressed, it sounds like more awareness by primary care, neurology, yeah. dermatology. How do we yeah. uh, raise awareness and what's really a rare disease, but really, really important to get diagnosed faster? Honestly, I think it starts with primary care and neurology because they're the, um, the main people or the initial people that see patients with neuropathy. And neuropathy really is you know, the, the most debilitating manifestation of the syndrome. And so really recognizing poems early on is really important. So I think neurologists, you know, when they have a patient with possible CIDP, they're not very convinced that it could be CIDP, they should look for poems. Or if a neurologist sees somebody with CIDP, they start treating CIDP with plasma exchange or IVIG, which is a totally separate or different treatment than what we do for poems. And they feel that the patient is not really getting better they should look for poems. So they should revisit the diagnosis. So I think it really starts with the neurologist. They should screen patients for, for poems with simple, you know, serologic testing for plasma cell disorders and the EGF levels to start with. And then if they're really suspicious that this could be poems, they could always consult with hematology. We can help them, you know, make the diagnosis. Or if they've been treating somebody for CIDP and they're not getting better, they should revisit the diagnosis. What about the role of support groups? Um, are there particular like patient advocacy groups or anything that we work with um, to raise awareness? So actually, there aren't many support groups. Um, I know one patient of mine told me that there was a group on Facebook. I'm not really aware of the name of it, but the, you know, it's a rare disorder. I think NORD and ORD is um, also um, involved in awareness and supporting patients with it too. What do you think are the biggest gaps? Is it uh, awareness we've talked about? Is it research into new treatments? What do we need to do to make this better? I think making the diagnosis is really important. I think we can treat poems very well. Um, a lot of our patients do well when we treat them. Like, for example, with transplant, Dale, more than 90% of the patients respond. And the mortality is very low from the procedure. And, the, you know, so the side effect profile is really, I mean, we know a lot about it. And we can do it very safely, um, the transplant. And the progression-free survival, overall survival data are really good. Um, however, it's all based on cohort studies. We don't really have to have um, therapeutic trials. And so I think we can treat it very well. We don't have a lot of research about the treatment, but from the experience of a lot of um, centers that have been treating POMS patients, they do improve and their symptoms get better. They can walk again, but it takes time for that to happen, but we can really get them better. So I think it's really making the diagnosis that's, you know, that's the issue here. And currently, there is an ongoing study at the University of Arkansas that's looking into the role of other treatments like Darzalex or Daratumumab, which is what we use commonly in myeloma and the treatment of, of this disorder. And, you know, I'm in discussion with another pharmaceutical company um, about starting potentially another clinical study, you know, a single arm study in rare plasma cell disorders, which will include POMS to study a novel agent in myeloma. So hopefully that's also promising. 
But I think even with what we have right now, we can treat people very well and get them better. It's just getting them to hematology is honestly the issue. Yeah, that sounds like a, a big barrier. And it sounds exciting that there's some new therapies potentially in the works. So but that is a tough area to, uh, to study. Other than the awareness and research, is there anything else we need to be thinking about in terms of other mechanisms? Or do we think that uh, there's anything else that might improve our ability to treat these patients? Well, I think um, just having more seminars or giving more talks to you know, neurologists and hematologists in the community, because honestly, our neurology department here at, um, at main campus is very good at recognizing poems and referring people to us. I just feel that we, we probably need more um, work in terms of spreading the awareness in the community, especially amongst, you know, neurologists and hematologists in the community. So maybe just more webinars, more talks like this, more podcasts and things, just to kind of, you know, shed more light on, you know, the importance of referring early on. And when in doubt, just refer them. We'll, you know, we can help you figure it out. That makes sense. Well, thanks, Jack. I appreciate your insight. It's, uh, it's always difficult with rare diseases to, uh, to sort of build the right, uh, the right programs to do the right things, and awareness is huge. So um, hopefully uh, your ability to inform us is uh, going to, uh, to help people think about it when they have patients that they're not quite sure what's going on, and, and we'll, we'll have some positive outcomes here. Thanks, Dale. Good talking to you. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our Consult QD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org slash cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.